The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I am Will Brinson. I am your host. This is the final show before Super Bowl week. It's Friday, January 24th. We're talking to Ryan Wilson, who's down in Mobile, Alabama, trying to remind me what day it is. Ryan, can't relax. He's always on the job. How you doing, buddy? Man, it is freezing down here. I was telling Debo before the show while you were out gallivanting around Raleigh that it is colder here at 55 degrees than it was when I left Syracuse on, on Monday when it was it was literally 12 degrees at the airport. So it's cold, but uh, the practices are over. That's an unusually cold for down there, right? Last year it, it was similarly chilly, and you won't believe this when Prisco's here down, down here last year. He hated it. He couldn't wait to leave. <laughs> no way. Yeah, so it's going to be sunny on on Sunday for uh, Saturday for the game, so that'll be good. Um, the practices and the weather didn't affect the players at all, just the wind and media. But um, yeah, otherwise all good. I love Mobile. A lot of people don't like it. I like it. And uh, you're going to go after we record this podcast and um, have a little sushi with our pal Andy Benoit. Yeah, friend you know, of the show. Absolutely. Yeah, we've known him. I, you've known him longer than me. I've known him since 2011 when I replaced him at CBSSports.com. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, he and I both agreed that was in the best interest uh, for everyone. He went on to bigger and better things and I still have a job. So yeah, all good. Uh, I love hanging out with Andy all the time. I'm actually texting with him right now. I said mobile sushi. He said, Oh yeah, the best. Um, let's dive into the senior bowl. Senior bowl is Saturday. We, you will fly to Miami on Sunday. We, you, me and breach will hang out. And, uh, I don't know what we're going to do on Sunday. Bring your bathing suit. Have you packed a bathing suit? Again with the conversation. Did you no? I mean, I, did you actually pack a bathing suit? No, of course not. I have two weeks of stuff, and half of it was packed for forty to fifty degree weather. See, Breach and Sean were like, "You got to bring a bathing suit," and I did point out that this is for Monday's episode. By the way, Monday will be a mailbag episode. Um, we will have a Super Bowl primer, tons of stuff. Then we'll recap opening night for uh, Tuesday morning. We'll have a bunch of beat writers on. We're going to get all the CBS guys on. We'll do picks, props, DFS, everything you need to know. Um, we have a contest in the works working on that. If you want, if you like the idea of a Super Bowl prop contest for Pick 6 podcast listeners, I want you to do this. Log on to Twitter and tweet at E-K-A-Y-C-B-S 
and say, give us our prop contest. You tweet him, you flood him with tweets, and we will get a contest, and we will get prizes, and we will say, screw you, legal. We're giving away Brinson Sucks hats. We don't care what you say. If we have to, we'll just steal Eagles paraphernalia from Debo and hand it out. Something like that. Um, Saturday, 2.30 p.m., Mobile, Alabama. Bunch of boys playing football. It's the Senior Bowl. Uh, scale of 1 to 10, how does this rank out in uh, your Senior Bowl experience, Ryan? Well, I've only been to two, and it, it so far ranks pretty high. Uh, no, actually, is it better or worse than last year? It's better for me because uh, I've talked to more people, I know more people, and I'm able to get more information. So that's good. Last year was sort of my first year thrown into the deep end without my uh, floaties on. So this year's been much better. Uh, I liked the game last year. Everyone heads out, like all the coaches, most, almost all the scouts and GMs. They're all gone by Thursday evening. So uh, they're mostly media types in the press box um, and a handful of scouts on Saturday. But I like getting one last chance to watch all the players because it's hard to, to sort of focus in on, on individual players in the practices just because of the way it, the practices are laid out and where the players are. So uh, I actually sort of like that. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, and then you'll, again, like you're away from your family for two weeks. It's very impressive. Um, what do you think? What? So you mentioned the scouts leave on Thursday. Where do you think the majority of the work goes in ter- like where when people are watching from home? Cause I mean, I think it's easy if you're in, like, if you're a very, if you're a casual NFL observer, you're probably not locked into like, you know, senior bowl practices on a Wednesday afternoon. Where does the majority of the work go come from in these NFL teams and the scouting departments? Is it Monday through Thursday? Uh, you know, once they take the notes and go back and they grind on them over the weekend and watch the game, what's the sort of the process like for those guys? So when he asked that, Brent, because I talked to a couple of scouts about just that, and I, and I said, how like do these practices do anything for you? And and he said, um, well, we'll get the the tape from up high off the stadium, and we'll go back and watch it tonight. So which is basically the all twenty two practice tape, right? Exactly. So you know we'll focus in on players and and see some things and have some opinions, obviously, but we'll go back and watch the tape, and um, so that that's important, obviously, in, in terms of seeing how these players are progressing. And also, perhaps as important, maybe even more so, are the interviews. So every night, uh, different groups of players interview with, with teams, and um, a lot of them consider that as important, if not more so, just to get a sense of who the player is, sort of the same interviews you hear about at the Combine. They actually do psychological testing now at the Senior Bowl. So if you do it at the Senior Bowl, you don't have to do it at the Combine of the player. Uh, and I also asked the scout, I said, so have you ever come here and, and seen a player – so like the world on fire that it makes you go back and reevaluate your, the grades you gave him during the fall. And uh, he said that probably happens less than 20% of the time. Mm. But you get to this point in January, you know who the players for the most part. You see some things maybe you haven't seen a lot before when you watch them uh, on tape, but generally the, the player is who you think he is. So a lot of the hype and stuff that we hear this time of year is, is more media driven than anything. But, um, that's sort of where the scouts are coming down at this point as they move sort of at the first stage of the pre-draft process. Let me ask you this. Where is Justin Herbert on your draftability rankings? Because I know that you've been down on him all season long, but you had to look him in his curly-locked, long-haired face and say, Justin, you look better out there than you did before. You're on CBA Sports HQ interviewing Justin Herbert, knowing that you'd been dogging him in print all year long, and you had to play nice. Has he moved up your rankings? Yeah, so what I just said about 
scouts typically not changing their opinion of players. I, I haven't done a 180, but I've done like a 179 on Justin Herbert. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned his hair. His hair is perfect. It He's six six. I was sort of upset no one gave me a box to stand a Prisco box to stand on. It was it was a like you're not exceptionally short. You're just probably like right at average or a little bit below average height. Like you're you're six feet, right below six feet, whatever it is. Herbert's towering over you. Towering, yeah. Um he could not have been nicer. He was in here's the thing, if you didn't listen to the interview, I, I mentioned um, and I asked all the players this because this is typically the, the scouts and coaches tell them what they want to see this week from them in, in terms of making themselves uh, more attractive in, in the NFL scheme of things. And Herbert said nothing about throwing the ball better on 15-yard dig routes or better touch on his deep passes. The first thing and the only thing he said was they want to see me be a leader on the field. Mm-hmm. And you can go back and you, you when Willie Taggart was the coach there, uh, there were conversations in 2017 about – Herbert being a, a more vocal leader. He's not a vocal guy. But I wrote about this on, on Friday, uh, about day three, the day three of practices, and it was basically uh, his interactions on the field with, with, the, with the players were the exact same as the five other quarterbacks. There wasn't any clear indication that he wasn't being a leader. You can't really tell that from just doing team drills in three, over the course of three days. But that's what he said. And when he did it's, throw the ball – It's the Mariota stigma, by the way. It's because Marcus Mariota was quiet at Oregon – he was not, you know, he was the opposite of Jameis Winston when he came out of college, and people were questioning that. And then Mariota didn't work out as a prospect, or at least hasn't worked out as a prospect. And so I think people are locking in on that with Herbert. Yeah, no, that's a that's a good point. And uh, you know, I would just say that Mariota's probably been hurt a lot of his career. We don't know about right. Um, Herbert, when he throws the ball, he's throwing downhill because he's six feet six inches tall, and his arm spans probably four, an extra four feet, so he's throwing from basically twelve feet in the air. Um, and the ball, um, to watch him throw the ball in person is nuts because it comes out like a cannon. Um, he was mostly accurate on his throws. He was mostly composed. He moved well in the pocket and all those other things. And, and I think seeing him in person gives you a different perspective. But again, we'll see what happens Saturday during the game when he's, uh, you know, the, the bullets are flying, quote unquote, so to speak, with the pass rush and, and the needing to be protected. But, um, he looked great during the week. Sometimes guys show up here. Daniel Jones did not look great last year during the week. And he didn't play necessarily well in the bowl game. We know, and Prisco talks about this all the time, the Giants fell in love with him, nevertheless. And, uh, by the way, I've seen Dave Gettleman probably 12 times. <laughs> uh, <laughs> can't get rid of Dave Gettleman. But, uh, well, you, it's, it's also hard to miss. He has His pants are huge. They're pulled up very high. Yeah. He always has, like, a crowd around him, and he's, like, he takes him. Like, he's just, I don't know, like, it's hard to miss Gettleman. But he's, he has a little bit of a power walk to him. Yeah, so he's the guy responsible for Daniel Jones. Uh, but, yeah, Justin Herbert's looked Look good, and we'll see what happens Saturday in the game. But I've been impressed, and he was a delight to talk to. We got uh, hounded by someone on Twitter who uh, we said that we didn't think we would draft Justin. You and I, and I agreed. And that, like, I'm not. This is not a deep tape dive on Justin Herbert. Um, I hope to do one at some point in the off season once the Super Bowl ends. But then you got like a freaking two month turnaround. We'll see. We'll, look, we'll see how deep my tape dive on, on Justin Herbert goes. But watching him anecdotally as a player at Oregon. I have not been blown away by him uh, playing football. Now, having said that, he's a quarterback with a strong arm, a great pedigree, and he led his team to a bunch of wins. So it's possible he ends up going in the top where? Oh, listen, man. Something else to consider, and Brady talks about this a lot, Brady Quinn, um, when we do it on the Pick 6 podcast on Tuesdays. He was in an ill-fitting offense. He threw a ton of screen passes. Mm. Um, some of his throws down the field, while the arm strength was certainly there, he, he wasn't very good at sort of just dropping them in the bucket, so to speak. He, he 
typically struggle to get it over the first layer of the defense and drop it in there. But that said, he could be a top 10 pick. And, and that's not even, I don't think that would surprise anyone. In my late, latest mock draft, I have him going to your Panthers at number seven. Matt Rule looking very good walking around. Um, quite happy with himself and, and understandably so. Yeah. But, got 70 uh, million bucks. <laughs> yeah. So, too. They don't know what's happening with Cam Newton, uh, in terms of the foot. Will Greer, who was the, did, did you, did you talk to Matt Rule or was it, was he, was he available for interview or? No, he was on the field, um, during the practice sessions and, and you don't, you don't bother the coaches then. And he was, um, he was actually chit chatting up the NFL network just, um, off the record. And uh, watching watching practice, but DJ DJ a little uh, Jeremiah no, in the booth with Bucky Brooks. They do it with them and um, so yapping with Rap Sheet. Who's he talking to? Let's get some oh, Garofalo. Oh, okay, all right, all right. Garofalo is a uh, uh, north northeastern guy. Rules a Penn State guy. He moved to State College. Played at Penn State under uh, Joe Paterno. So wait, what do you think? Do you what do you think they do with Cam? Did, did you hear? I mean, have you heard any buzz about that? People no, are talking. Cam, I did see Marty Herney today. Um, I gave good guy, a, good guy, Marty Herney. Yeah, former Washington Post reporter. Yeah, Marty Herney. But uh, yeah, so we don't know what's going on, Cam. You would know better than I would. But as I was going to say, Will Greer isn't the answer. He was in the Senior Bowl last year. Did not have a very good Senior Bowl, third round pick. And then of course, Kyle Allen started strong, finished much less so than that. So the Panthers are obviously a, a, a possibility. Right before the Panthers choose the Chargers, and we know that Philip Rivers has moved to Florida, uh, where he's going to be the next quarterback of. The Jacksonville Dolphins, who knows which team. How dare you? It's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Oh, yeah, that's right. It could be the Tampa Bay Jagfins. Yeah, he could play, play for all three Florida teams. Um, <laughs> pretty good, right? <laughs> I think Rivers is strategically located to try and go to Tampa, Nashville, Charlotte, or Indianapolis. Wherever well, he can. Doesn't make a ton of sense because Tannehill's coming back. Yeah, he's a free agent. I did hear, uh, a source told me that Phil Rivers moved him and his 25 kids into the actual pirate ship on the property of Raymond James. <laughs> Maybe that gives us some indication where he's going. Well, I'm surprised you haven't jumped all over the accounting angle here. If you were a multimillionaire with nine kids and you were moving from the West Coast to the East Coast, yeah. you know what you would do? You would move to Florida. You yeah. would establish a residence for six months, and then you'd build your house wherever the hell you want actually wanted to live. No, that's a good point. That's right. That's um, what I would do. So, yeah, the Chargers, the Panthers make sense for Justin Herbert. Um, if he's still there, and he could be, the, the, the Raiders at 12, the Buccaneers at 13. Um, so you think he's going top 10? I feel like just he looked good, and, and the, the questions are going to be about the leadership. Like, we'll see how he commands the huddle and all the other junk. I mean, if, they, if that's the only problem with Justin Herbert, then somebody's taking him top 10. Right, and you have to figure out, okay, how long is it going to take the transition from the – that Oregon offense where he wasn't utilized properly into more of an NFL offense. And he seemed um, fine like uh, with all the other quarterbacks in terms of doing the things they were asked to do, being under center and all that other stuff. Should I be worried that I'm on the wrong side of Justin Herbert now? You're not on the wrong side. When he gets drafted in the top ten, there are going to be a ton of questions. Okay. He is what Trevor Lawrence – he is aspiring to be Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence checks all the boxes – and he checks him almost every game. Justin Herbert has struggled, and he will tell you that. I talked to him about the USC game where he played like dog crap in the first quarter and then played probably his three best quarters of the season after that. And he, he said, yeah, that's exactly what happened, and I would have liked to see more of that um, throughout the year. He played better in 2019 than 2018, but at no point has anyone said, okay, he's, this is Trevor Lawrence uh, 2.0. Right. 
Uh, what about Jordan Love? Utah State quarterback. Pop, by the way, for a little weed possession at the end of the year last year. Can't be having that in the year 2020, certainly. That's right. I didn't even think. I was talking to one guy. You should have asked him. Be like, did you interview? Be like, hey, man, uh, what are you doing at 420 today? <laughs> a little time for some wacky tobacco. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you get down, right, bro? Um, It would have been hilarious. I'll give you, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Oh, a couple things. By the way, Monday morning before I flew out to Mobile, I had to do a a hit with Tommy T. And uh, they were asking about the the Chiefs win the the night before. And I literally did this on air. I did the Andy Reid off the bye dance. I I, I know. I I appeared at noon. I was like, I heard Ryan Wilson claimed his song is Andy Reid off the bye. No, I gave credit to the Pick 6 pod. Okay. Tully loved it so much, the producer, he asked Tommy to ask me to do it again going out. So I had to do it twice. Are you kidding me? Tully, I would do, are you kidding me, Tully? It's like my thing? You've been dragging me on at 8 a.m. for two years? You don't ask me to dance? And you know Unbelievable. What my biggest concern was, not that I act like an idiot on air, it was that if this plane crashes, this is going to be the last thing anyone ever saw me do. So what were Ryan Wilson's last uh, – this is like the time that Pete almost got shot outside of Publix. And we were like we were like worried like they would be digging through the text messages and we'd be laughing about how Pete was going to get shot outside the Publix. And then he actually like died outside – like got killed outside of Publix. Um, what yes. were your takeaways from Jordan Love this week? Well, I'm sorry. What I was going to say is that when I was talking to both Jordan Love and, and Justin Herbert, there's a, a PR guy standing right off the, the corner. I think he's associated with the Senior Bowl. Okay, right. so they typically, I think, bring in team PR guys. I think you're right, yeah. And set, and like have them work work exactly. the senior. Yeah. Because I talked to Jordan, I said, "Is is he with you?" He goes, "No, he's just working with all of us." And he was standing right off camera and say, "All right, guys, use your hands more. Take out the chewing <laughs> gum. Be expressive." <laughs> so they really, like, yeah, oh yeah, what? especially more so for Justin than than Jordan, which maybe isn't a surprise because that's the whole sort of thing about Justin making him more. Uh, of a leader and not quite so passive. But uh, in terms of what I've seen on the field, Jordan Love looks amazing. He throws the ball. He's uh, two inches shorter, so he's 6'4", two inches shorter than Justin Herbert. The ball doesn't necessarily explode out of his hands. He looks like he's not even trying to throw it, and it comes out like a 95-mile-an-hour Nolan Ryan fastball. Um, he is much better on the deep balls than anyone else here in, in terms of being able to, to sort of feather them over uh, the first wave of uh, linebackers and in between in front of the cornerbacks. And... Um, a little less accurate on, on Thursday than he was early in the week, but nothing to, to be alarmed about, in, in my opinion. And he's done more to answer questions than Justin Herbert. That's only because Justin uh, um, Jordan Love's 2019 season was so terrible. And there are a lot of reasons for that, not necessarily all his fault. But, um, again, he's a guy that could go in the first round based solely on the 2018 tape, the expectations in 2019 that didn't happen, and then sort of seeing him in person sling the ball around. Mm. Would you rather have Herbert or Love? That's a good question. Uh, honestly, we will not hold you. We will not hold against you that you had. See, I think this is the problem with draft talk too. Is that a, like in? It's a problem with general NFL talk. Anyway, yet you, you make your opinion early and you feel like you yeah. got to hunker down and stand by it. It's okay. Like it's okay that if you if you believed in November that Justin Herbert was a second rounder. And then you watch enough of Justin Herbert that in January or February you believe he's a first rounder. If you want, and and you, maybe you you hear stuff from NFL teams, you hear stuff from scouts, and you're like, all right, look, this guy's going in the first round. You have to be, you have to know, you have to be able to take in. Correct me if I'm wrong. To re- take in the information you're getting, take in yeah. what you're seeing, 
blend it all together with team needs and what teams might do and try to come up with a, a, um, a mock draft that not only is it poor representation of how you would actually rank the players, but is like based on team needs and what teams are going to do. And then has to be something that's not going to burn your ass five years from now when you're like, D minor, or like Justin Herbert's a perfect fit for Matt Rule and the Panthers and like rules like working at a Publix and, and Justin Herbert, you know, Justin Herbert's his bag boy or something like that because everything went south. Yeah, and look, for the record, I think Justin Herbert is a second-round pick. I think he will go in the first round because uh, of the physical tools and teams needing quarterbacks. I was talking to an NFL guy um, this week about Jordan Love, and he actually compared him to Daniel Jones, not in terms of the, the physical abilities, but in terms of coming from a program, Daniel Jones went to Duke, where the quarterback had to do literally everything because there was yeah. no around him. Daniel Jones played in the ACC, which isn't a, a super conference, but it's a pretty good football conference, especially when your team is Duke and has no one on it. Uh, Utah State plays in the – what do they play in? They, they play in the, the – uh, Mountain West, I think. Mountain West, thank you. But they had a new offensive line, new coach, new school position players. And Jordan Love, he actually told me this. He goes, yeah, I pressed a lot. I feel like I had to, I had to do a lot with, with what we were – because of uh, the players we lost. He wasn't making excuses. He was just answering the question. And um, the person I was talking to, uh, the league person, said – so we'll see. We'll, I mean, it's okay for quarterbacks to throw interceptions. That what they, what, that's what they do. They have to limit the fumbles and limit the mistakes. And, and I think the question you originally asked, I think Jordan Love, I would take him before Justin Herbert based on the athleticism and based on the, the sort of the Patrick Mahomes comp. Okay, so if you're the GM, you're taking Love first, but you think Herbert will probably go first. I would not take either one of those guys top ten. Like I wouldn't feel comfortable taking Justin Herbert to the Panthers if I were – well, let me, let me, let me ask you this in that same context, because I think that, that's an, that is very important, and I think that matters. Like, you should not use a top 10 pick on a quarterback, uh, because you need a quarterback. You should get the best player available. We, we heard, we, uh, who were we talking to? About the Packers and, oh, Brady Quinn said they had Andrew Brand on, and like, they drafted Aaron Rodgers because he was the last first round graded guy on their board. Um, is this draft deep enough where teams who are quarterback needy, and our smart will be able to pause and say, no, we're not taking Herbert. We're not taking Love. We're going to wait. It's not deep enough a quarterback. I mean, you'll have to. No, have no, a- I mean deep enough. Deep, like. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. like is, the, is the, is one through 50 in this class good enough that smart teams will pass on quarterbacks or smart teams at the back end of the draft will end up getting great players falling to them? No, one through 50 is, is incredibly deep. And it okay. if you want wide receivers, if you want defensive tackles, um, to a degree, cornerbacks. Uh, offensive line. So there, I mean, and, and Pete and Brady talk about this all the time, uh, when I go on with them on Tuesdays on HQ, take offensive and defensive linemen and build there and then work out. And I think that is a, a pretty good strategy. We saw it work, um, for the Titans, for example. I mean, we're all talking about Derrick Henry having a great season and there's no doubt that he did have a great season, but uh, some of that credit goes to the offensive line and the offensive line can solve a lot of issues for both the run and the pass game. Yeah. I mean, look, I just think. It's going to be interesting what a team like the Chargers or a team like the Panthers does that might be sort of retooling. Like, are you really going to take Herbert at – because we saw Daniel Jones go at six last year. I mean, it's fine. You got him, Giants. Great for you. But, I mean, are you are you there yet? Like, I mean, are you going to be there in the next three years on this rookie deal? And, you know, if the Panthers take Herbert, are they going to – Turn it around right away. I don't think so. So that to me, like if they're smart, they'll either trade down and take him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, hey, I'll say this quickly. Uh, yeah. Herbert and Love are better athletes than Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones is actually a pretty good athlete. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't take Daniel Jones number six, but 
Daniel Jones was more ready to play than I feel like Herbert and Love would have been as rookies. So, you know, apples and oranges, we'll see. But, again, yeah, if you take Herbert and or Love, you cannot play them in year one. Right. Um, stock up, stock down. Jalen Hurts. I, I think it's – I think it's slightly up, and it's slightly up because he started really strong at, at Oklahoma and then sort of plateaued off. He struggled with throwing the ball towards it down the stretch there. He was running a lot, and that's what he's really good at. This week, um, and he's talked about it, he's sort of playing with a chip on his shoulder. I think he, he was the one who actually called it, quote-unquote, a boulder. Um, because he's flown under the radar, which is sort of weird because Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts, but we've been talking about Love and Herbert a lot, and that's been sort of the talking points. I mean, he had a double helmet go viral. Like, Yeah, doing? and a misunderstanding, apparently. He's not really going to wear it, and people were angry about it. That he was going to wear the double helmet. But he's was, just trying to do the Russell Wilson thing. He's trying not to make it like you don't want to make Oklahoma fans mad and you don't want to make Alabama fans mad. You're talking about two of the most like vitriolic base level redneck fan bases in America. You want to make those teams mad? Are you nuts? You piss off Bama fans and you might as well delete your entire life off the internet. And the same thing goes for Oklahoma fans. Like, boomer, kill them, boomer, get them, boomer. Like, and that's, those are the nice ones compared to Alabama. So I don't blame him. Make them both happy. But don't, you're not going to wear that crap on the field. Yeah. And here's something worth noting. Like, he's 6'1", so he's a good five inches shorter than Justin Herbert and three inches shorter than, than um, Jordan Love. But he, he doesn't look to be short out there. Baker Mayfield is shorter than he is. Obviously, Russell Wilson and Kyler Murray. Uh, so he can play the position. The issue is at what level can he play it and how soon? Because his arm strength isn't that of Herbert's or Love's, but he has a really good arm. He can make all the throws, and we know he can run the ball. He's had a pretty good week. Um, he's talked a lot about leadership this week, and, and that's, you know, you can say, ah, oh, whatever, who cares? But that's exactly what we're yelling at Justin Herbert about not yeah. having. So if Justin Herbert had Jalen Hurts' uh, leadership, he would be the number one overall pick. He'd be better than Joe Burrow, but uh, that's not the case. But I feel like coming in this week, I thought Jalen Hurts is a day three pick. I still feel like he's day three-ish. He's Taysom Hill in my mind. I don't know if he's better than Taysom Hill, to be to be quite honest. Taysom Hill, I think, went undrafted. Part of that was because of injuries, but um, – Maybe Jalen Hurts sneaks into the third round, but I think all in all, I think he's had a good week. The thing about uh, Jalen Hurts and the leadership, like Kelly Bryant left Clemson when he got benched for Trevor Lawrence. And, you know, I mean, look, it's fine. He could leave and go. He went to Missouri. Do whatever you want to do. Um, he got kind of blitzed for it and didn't get a ring out of it, and they won the title, et cetera. Jalen Hurts has been praised, and I think deservedly so, for being a good teammate and, you know, getting benched and Tua comes in and Tua wins a title, you know, and, and you come back. Um I would say this, though. I think watching him at Oklahoma in an offense where Lincoln Riley does create running opportunities, I feel like compared to Baker Mayfield and compared to Kyler Murray, he took off running a lot quicker than the, like he wanted to run. Like he almost wanted to use his legs instead of moving to throw. Does that make sense? No. What would happen? And and, uh, I had a scout tell me this earlier in the year that um, he thought that Jalen Jalen Hurts had a chance to be pretty good at Oklahoma because he hadn't played a lot of football um, at 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 Alabama. Sort of what you were talking about. And then a few months later, it turns out that Jalen was doing sort of the same things that got him in trouble at Alabama. If his first read wasn't there, he would drop his eyes. He was he was eager to run. He ran for twelve hundred yards and twenty something touchdowns. So clearly he was good at it. But that does that translate? into an every-down player in the NFL, and I don't think it does. He is not, and people sometimes like to make the Lamar Jackson comparison. He's not Lamar Jackson. He is more Derrick Henry than Lamar Jackson in terms of his running style. So, again, is he an every-down player? I, I don't – he's not right away, and you can certainly – is he better than Tim Tebow? 100%, and Tim Tebow was a first-round pick. 
but um, that that was ten years ago. So I think there's a place for him, but I don't think it's someone you're going to draft in the first two days. All right, quick hitter Shea Patterson, stock up or stock down? Down. He had a terrible Wednesday practice. He has not talked to the media at all, in part because he doesn't want to be asked questions about um, why he hasn't played as well as he should have, whether it was at Michigan or Ole Miss. Um, he played a little better on Thursday, but he's six one. He, he seems to be behind the other quarterbacks in terms of all the things they're able to do. He reminds me a little bit of Trace McSorley, who was a seventh round pick of the uh, of the Ravens last year. Sorry, Debo. Uh, Anthony Gordon, who I absolutely know where he played college football. It was at the Wash. Oh, he's Washington State. The Washington State University. The Washington State. He is possibly the nicest person at the Senior Bowl. All uh, those Washington State guys are like, I mean, it's like they've been on like, like THC like drips for like four years. Like, hey man, how's it going? Just here from Wazoo. Oh uh, yeah, loving life. It's everything's great, man. How you doing? Me, Mike Leach, the best. Yeah, let's throw the ball. Great guy, and I watched a couple of his games before um before the Senior Bowl, and he does a lot of things well. He has a really good arm. Um, he had forever in the pocket because of the offense they played. So sometimes he would his footwork would be a little shoddy. And he admitted admitted as much when we spoke to him. Uh, he had 48 touchdowns and 16 interceptions, and he said he needs to get better at limiting the dumb mistakes. And I thought he, in part, did that this week in the practices. I thought he played pretty well. And I, I think um, a lot like Gardner Minshew, who came to the Senior Bowl last year and didn't play very well, um, Gordon's been much better, and I feel like he, he can be a day-three pick. And I think I would certainly take him before Shea Patterson and, and maybe even Jalen Hurst, depending on the type of offense you're looking for. Steven Montez, up or down? Um, he's Oregon, a- Oregon. No, not Oregon quarterback. He played at Colorado. Colorado quarterback Herbert played at Oregon. He's been even Steven. Um, he's he'll, he's going to try to get drafted. We'll see. He has a good arm. He played up and down to Colorado. I think he completed sixty three percent of his passes, seventeen touchdowns, ten interceptions. So he didn't like the world on fire. But um, he's been fine this week. There's no reason to be like, oh my god, this guy doesn't deserve to be here. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk non quarterback prospects. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondry's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week of the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so you got the quarterbacks in the first part. That's what we always talk about, senior ball, quarterbacks. It's the NFL. We talk quarterbacks. But uh, there's a lot of other players at the senior ball that we need to talk about, including a guy who will not play in the game, maybe the most 
disruptive defensive lineman in the entire draft. Is that, maybe, uh, that's not fair because Chase Young's in the draft, but like a disruptive interior defensive lineman, Javon Kinlaw out of South Carolina, a man child who uh, will not be playing. He suffered a knee injury, Ryan. Uh, what's the deal with that? And uh, will he be the highest pick out of the senior bowl? Um, he could be non quarterback, non quarterback pick. He could, he could even still be. We'll see. I was talking to Scott Pioli about this. He works with HQ. Um, and he was down in, in Mobile doing uh, some segments. And Derek Brown is right now the, the best defensive lineman in this draft class out of Auburn. He's probably a, he's definitely a top 10 pick, maybe higher. But Kinlaw and, and Pioli pointed this out very easily could, could move up into that range. He's a top 15 pick coming in this week. As you pointed out, he dominated. His knee's going to be fine. I don't think there's anything long term with that. Just a little tweak. So he's not going to take part. Uh, in the game, he really doesn't need to because that's all people were talking about the first two days. So there's a chance he he could be uh, drafted before Derek Brown. Kinlaw's actually probably a better pass rusher. Derek Brown's a better all around player, but uh, yeah, that guy's that guy's a grown man. I think he's six four, six five, and and he was taking care of business, as they say. He was wrecking shop in those like one on one offensive line, defensive line drills. He is. I mean, he's not clowny because he's more he's more D tackle than edge guy, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, he is, he is, Clowney, they moved inside at, um, you know, Melvin Ingram too. They've always done this at South Carolina for whatever reason. They have these great pass rushers. They move inside and play it like, you know, anyway, I don't know. The Clowney, uh, yeah, Clowney, Clowney's good. Kinlaw could be great. Denzel Mims. You mentioned him on Twitter. Tell me about Denzel Mims from Baylor. From Baylor, 6'3, 215. Um, played in sort of a limited uh, route tree offense in Baylor, but so that was sort of the questions coming in, and speed was uh, a question. When you talk to scouts, they always say, "Well, let's see how fast he is." Even though if the guy looks like he, you know, he's the fastest guy on earth, they're like, "Oh, let's see how fast he is." He looks plenty fast. He was killing people in the one-on-one drills, and the seven-on-sevens, and the eleven-on-elevens. Uh, he showed fantastic hands, like the high point catching, the the big radius catch guy, all those sort of buzzwords you hear people say. He was hauling in everything. Uh, at Baylor, he had some sort of concentration drops, and, and I think that's something that you can certainly get through. But to make the tough catches he was making, to run the routes he was running at that size was incredibly impressive. And people were comparing him to sort of Terry McLaurin last year mm. being a riser. And maybe even a better comparison would be Debo Samuel sort of coming out of nowhere, proving that he could run. Well, not coming out of nowhere, but proving that he could run and, and doing what he's been able to do. Well, Debo, Debo got hurt. Um, uh, let's see. Debo lit up NC State two right. years ago in that first game, had an incredible one hand catch down Charlotte, then got hurt, and then came back his senior year and was not that great. I think the offense maybe fell off a little bit in South Carolina. Yeah, and there were questions about his deep speed and his durability, and um, he, he's answered both pretty right. Um, all right, give me uh, three big risers and three. Let's start with risers. Who are your three big risers? Out of the city, this is pregame. This is th- recorded Thursday night. Is there practice on Friday? Do they do? No, they're done. So what, these guys go party in Mobile? I think they may have a walkthrough and they have some sort of uh, yeah, in-town sure. obligations to give back the community type stuff. But that's How it. many uh, have you eaten, uh, listen to that, uh, 12 and a half Reese's Cups? Oh, my God, I've had zero. Wow, good for you. How many did you have last year? Not a lot, uh, only because like they're around the first day and then you can't find them afterwards. I would have chugged them if they were around like the whole time. But no, see, by, see, by my third day on like a work trip, I just start eating chocolate chip cookies as like a 
a pick me up instead of a lunch. Well, you you know me and my battles with ice cream when we travel on the road. Do you know? Do you know about this? No. You don't know about this? Oh man! Enlighten me. So, real quickly, Ryan, when we would go to uh, what was it? Indianapolis Super Bowl. New Orleans. Yeah. Oh, it's New Orleans Super Bowl. Yeah. So we were like staying out every night until like you know between midnight and two. Come back to the hotel. You got a little buzz going, and (laughs) Ryan every night would go to the uh, little commissary down at the main lobby at the hotel room and get a pint of ice cream and just two pints of ice cream. So one, anyway. Just in case. Yeah, one one for me and one for uh, my wife who's uh, here, you know, <laughs> and house at least one pint of ice cream. And then one night. One night I was walking back with my two pints of ice cream, and because I am who I am, I had the spoon, plastic spoon, behind my ear like a pencil, like I was Matt Patricia, Walking back to the room carrying these two jugs of ice cream, and I saw a past Mary Kay Cabot, uh, Cleveland.com, longtime Browns beat reporter, in the hall, and all I said was, don't judge me, and just kept walking to my room, and uh, shame ate that ice cream like no one's business. <laughs> don't judge me at 2 a.m. <laughs> she didn't judge me. She didn't say anything. Maybe she did judge me, but she did it quietly, which I appreciated. Uh, all right, three risers in the uh, senior ball process. All right, you mentioned Denzel Mims, but I'll give you a couple other names. Um Harrison Bryant, I'll put these guys together. Harrison Bryant and Adam Troutman, both tight ends. One played at FAU, Harrison Bryant did. Adam Troutman played at FCS Dayton. Those guys have generated a lot of buzz, uh, as they say. But uh, those are guys that um, Troutman's a little better blocker, but they're inline and guys you can move around, and they catch the ball. They're really athletic, and, and they had a good week. Zach Bond is a, a an edge rusher at Wisconsin. He's listed about 240-ish, maybe a little under that. And there's some conversation about moving him inside, but he is a, a terror off the edge. And wherever he lines up, I think I had him going to the, um, actually going to the Ravens in the first round for the first time all mock draft season. And he's going to be one of these quote unquote risers. He had a good week. And finally, Terrell Lewis out of uh, Alabama. Um, I watched him play three or four games this year for Alabama. He was injured in last year ACL. The year before, he had elbow injury, didn't play a lot, but he had a great injury free year this year. Played at a high level when you watch him play in person. He looks really long on television in person. He is 6'5", 259. And I was talking to one scout that said he can add another 10 pounds if he wants to and just mm-hmm. be an absolute monster. So uh, great week. Someone asked Nick Saban on Wednesday, hey, what do you think about Terrell Lewis not playing in the bowl game but showing up in Mobile to take part in the Senior Bowl? <laughs> uh, he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm fine with it. So um, that's another person who could be a, a first-round pick. And I think last mock draft I had, them, had him going to uh, New England. What about uh, three fallers in the draft process here, or the senior bowl process? Yeah, I don't want to dog out any of these guys who came here and are working hard, but I will point out Shea Patterson did not have a great week. I don't yeah. think that's that's a huge – And by the way, like we, nobody – look, you're coming to the senior bowl. You're trying to improve your draft stock. Nobody wants to crap on you and call you a loser. Like, yeah. You're in Mobile working hard at a bowl game. And I'll be honest. like A lot of the, the guys I was able to watch first time around, they fought hard and played pretty well. And, and so the other two losers I'm going to do sort of a cop-out. Um, Raquan Davis and Christian Fulton, neither of them showed up. Both Fulton, LSU cornerback, was CB1 probably coming into the year, maybe CB2 behind Jeffrey Kuda back in August. But um, I think he said he just, after 15 games winning the national championship, he wanted a break. So he he sort of stepped away from that. Raquan Davis had a little ankle injury. The thing about Raquan Davis, his defensive tackle out of Alabama, 2018 there was some conversation he might come out and he would have been a first-round pick. And I remember watching him last year thinking, I don't, get it but maybe someone knows better than me and this year's actually 
not been great either in terms of his dynamic playmaking ability. We were talking about Javon Kinlaw earlier, and that's what you're sort of hoping to see from Davis. You didn't see it. You haven't seen Fulton play um, this week against some pretty good wide receivers. That would have been fun. Uh, Fulton still has a chance to be a day one, late day two pick, or excuse me, a second round pick. We'll see what happens with Davis. So um, he's got some work to do over the next coming weeks. So, uh, you know, last year we had the 49ers down in uh, down in Mobile. Mobile to Miami. Yeah. That's how we're going to do it. And uh, it actually worked out. They made shirts. It worked out. 49ers went from winning two games to winning a bunch of games. This year, a different coaching staff is there. Um, I would say that, you know, fans of the Pick 6 podcast were – Surprised to find out that you might be talking to our man, Matt Patricia. I'm Mike. I'm Mike. I'm Mike. So don't say anything. I just want to say hi. How you doing? Yeah. I mean, I couldn't miss those sunglasses though. I mean, I saw those. I saw those from like five miles away. Like that's nice right there. What did you think about talking to your boy Matt? <laughs> that was Josh McDaniels wearing the sunglasses, not me. Uh, <laughs> didn't talk to him. Uh, much to my relief, <laughs> I thought that was going to be super awkward. The great thing is, I actually looked. Um, I looked him up just in case I had to talk to him so I could make small talk and, and distract him from his uh, my Pick 6 podcast t-shirt. He grew up like uh, 20 minutes from where my wife's family grew up, so we would have had uh, something to chit-chat about. But Scott Pioli, um, who I said was with us all week for CBS Sports HQ, did speak to Bob Quinn because they worked together back in, in New England, and, and they um, had a nice little conversation about the, the whole process of – what it means to be in the Senior Bowl and all that. So I didn't. I saw Matt Patricia on the field. Uh, you you played that clip of him talking to Belichick and Josh McDaniels on the sidelines. He, and for those who didn't see it, he's going over to see Bill Belichick and Josh McDaniels as they walk down. And as he's like running up to give Belichick and McDaniels a hug, and they're still tight. Like don't don't believe anything you read. I I saw him after Patricia took the Lions job and they were having dinner at the owners' meetings. They hang out. They're cool. Um, he runs up and he's like, "I'm wearing a mic. Don't say." I mean, like like he's like it's like. Don't like, don't tell him you shot the man. <laughs> like, don't tell him where the tapes are, bro. He'd be the worst informant on the planet. Yeah, and that mic caught on Wednesday. Um, Matt Patricia absolutely laid into Shea Patterson for bobbling a, a center quarterback exchange, and um, Patterson didn't look super pumped about it. So Patricia's coaching him up, and, and you know he's doing what he's supposed to be doing. Um, and it has been fun to watch the defensive line coach for the Lions, the offensive line coach for the. Bengals, the, the 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 words that come out of their mouths to try to get those big guys to do what they need them to do is uh, it, it's it's a treat. Let me put it to you that way. And uh, I would not bring your kids if those guys are, are anywhere nearby because it's it's naughty time. Mm. Bengals, good, bad. What do you mean next year? No, just the Bengals coaching staff. Did, like, do you pick up anything from these coaching staffs at all? Like. That makes you that makes you say, all right, these guys know what they're doing. I mean, it's possible you don't because you're not close enough. You know what I'm saying? Like you just might, you know, you're in the stands watching the prospects. You're close enough to hear the the instruction. And look, these guys are all professionals. And my takeaway from especially on Thursday watching the Bengals practice is that these coaches are all busting their ass, and there's no sort of goofing off. Right? There's no guy out there who doesn't deserve the job that he has. And I think ultimately it comes down to players. And if you don't have the players. Um, that can create some problems for you in terms of winning football games in the National Football League. But I was talking to our good buddy Paul Daner, who covers the Bengals for the, the – uh, no, the, the, the yeah, Athletic. Yeah, used to be the Inquirer, yeah. And um, he said that Zach Taylor ha- did a really good job given what he had. And, um, hmm. look, I, I thought both coaching staffs did, did 
I was impressed with both coaches. Yes, let me put you that way. There was no one, no one I would point to and say, oh, clearly that guy doesn't belong to, belong to, deserve to be out there. Excuse me. All right. What should, uh, podcast listeners, fans of the pick six be watching? And remember, if you listen to this podcast, you love this podcast, you want to do a props thing. I want you to, I want everybody to tweet at EKAYCBS. I just want EK harassed on Twitter. I want to see those tweets. Let me looking for him. Harass him. We won the props contest. You can call them names. Jesus. We were the prop contest. You know, I want to talk to Samson uh, or something of the like. Uh, what should we be watching for in this game? Watch for the quarterbacks. You can watch all of them, but I would highlight Justin Herbert, uh, Jordan Love, and, and Jalen Hurts. And you can watch. I would watch the wide receivers. I would look out for Van Jefferson. We didn't talk about him earlier, but he's had a great week out of Florida. He's a guy that, that could sneak up and, and get drafted much higher than some people think. I would watch for James Prochet. Slot receiver at SMU, smallish guy, fantastic hands, and you can't cover him. And oh, that dude is – that guy is insane. Yeah. Crochet? So, yeah, number 13. Uh, this, this, he – like, he he can – like, he extends his catch radius to an abnormal level given his size. And I will say this, and, and I talked to uh, Scott about this, and Scott Pioli basically said as much too. The thing about these slot receivers in college when they come here with all these high expectations is they don't face – press coverage in college so you have to project how that's going to work out in the nfl so that's something to look forward to maybe they see some of that on saturday and then obviously going forward but uh those are four guys i would look out for they're uh, obviously skill position guys and all have a chance to to really um prove something on saturday and uh i'll be watching them mm. all right that's it that's a senior bowl recap saturday 2 30 eastern on nfl network make sure to follow ryan wilson at ryan wilson cbs Dishing out great senior – I bet you'll be tweeting out Senior Bowl uh, coin toss information. <laughs> you know it. Yeah. Going to go have dinner with Andy Benoit, uh, our good friend Andy Benoit in uh, Mobile, hanging out with uh, Dave Richard down there. And, uh, Ryan, I'll see you on Sunday, and we will uh, – we're doing podcasts all week. Video show. Oh, video show. Make sure to watch it. I mentioned this. Dang it, I should have mentioned this sooner. At either 2 or 3 p.m. TVD right now for an hour, the Pick 6 podcast video show. It will be on CBS Sports HQ. You can watch it on your phone. Get the CBS, CBS Sports app open. Hit the, uh, the menu on the left. CBS Sports HQ. Go Roku, Fire TV, Apple TV, whatever you want to do. Fire that up. We need everybody who listens to this podcast. If you're still listening to this podcast at the end of the show, fire it up from 2 to 4. Just throw an extra hour on. Let the Pick 6 Army show up and uh, bump those ratings. It happens every time we ask for it. You guys are the best. Ryan, travel safe, my friend. Enjoy the game and uh, get warm. We'll see you soon. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the, oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Join Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Way, Brady PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus.